Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Three Walk the Shadow Trail, written by Tony V. Sweeney. To walk the shadow trail means to lead a life of pain and sorrow, to be alone forever. Many men came to America to escape their old lives. Baron Carl Augustus Dietrich Wilhelm von Brandt was no different though he fled his father's crimes and not his own. Easily swindled into buying a Nebraska ranch that's little more than a sand dune, the European tenderfoot is befriended by half-pawnee Johnny Moon, a ne'er-do-well usually one step ahead of the marshal. Soon Johnny has Will looking and sounding like a Nebraskan. Working together, the impoverished nobleman and the half-breed cowboy transform the ruin into a thriving ranch. Through tough times and good, Johnny Moon is there for Will, closer than a friend, trusted like a brother. Then Will marries Silent Summer Woman, the headstrong daughter of a Pawnee chief, and the first wedge of mistrust is driven between the two men, for Johnny Moon is harboring a secret, and if Will discovers it, not only will it destroy their friendship, but also their lives. And now for your listening pleasure. An excerpt from Three Walk the Shadow Trail. Chapter 1 Wolf Creek, Nebraska, 1917 In half an hour, the 12.45 from Lincoln and points west would be pulling into the station. Tying his buckskin to the hitching rail behind the depot, Will Brandt slid one hand across its flank as he limped around the animal to catch the reins of the second horse and secure them also. He was a tall, blonde man, Posture still straight in spite of his skimming the wrong edge of fifty. His blue eyes were startlingly pale in a face tanned to a leathery sheen by the harsh Nebraska sun. Taking a deep breath, he glanced up Front Street. Town's looking pretty good these days, he decided. It seemed to be prospering. From where he stood, he could see the sheriff's office, painter's mercantile, and general emporium, now run by the original owner's two sons, and a haberdashery shop with the milliners next to it. Though they were out of his line of vision, he knew the names of all the other buildings lining the main thoroughfare. Offices of the Wolf Creek Gazette, the Wells Fargo Bank, and Rosita's Eatery. The restaurant was a great place for an after-sermon breakfast on a Sunday. Then there was the Lucky Shamrock Saloon, which replaced the old wagon wheel when that establishment closed a dozen years before. In addition, there were several other buildings on side and back streets. On the other side of the street and a few buildings down from the Shamrock, its rival, the Daisy Bell Bar, was already open for business, faint but beautiful music coming from its unlocked doorway. Something surprisingly classical, a Chopin waltz, if he wasn't mistaken, no doubt rendered by Carl Neuschafer. A German immigrant and former music teacher, Carl discovered fairly quickly that there was more money to be made playing the piano in a western saloon and dance hall than trying to drum musical knowledge into stubborn little minds who'd rather be rolling their hoops down the dusty streets. Good man, Carl. He was from near Will's old home in Germany. Sometimes Will would stop by when his former countryman was taking a break. They'd share a drink and reminisce about the old country, speaking in their native language to ensure they never forgot it. They spoke quietly, however. It wasn't such a good idea to be heard speaking that language, what with the war and all just now. Hearing that music made Will abruptly and surprisingly homesick for the place he hadn't seen in nearly thirty years. He sighed. 
He might be accustomed to the plunky banjo rhythm Carl usually played, but his love of really good music never left him. One of those newfangled horseless carriages clattered by, and he watched it with barely concealed amusement. The motor sputtered and, with a backfire like the crack of a rifle shot, died. The second horse threw back its head and snorted, eyes rolling wildly. Will put a hand on its muzzle, speaking to it softly, soothing its fright. Shh. It's all right. Don't let that infernal machine scare you. Quiet, Liebling. Oh, now. Cursing under his breath, the driver reached under the seat then slid out of the contraption, skirts of his duster flapping in the breeze. He removed his cap and goggles, then stamped to the front of the automobile, where he fitted the handle he carried into a slot in the engine and began to turn it vigorously. Behind him, hooves sounded. Two of Will's riders trotted their ponies down the street, nodding to their boss as they passed. They saw the stalled auto and pulled their horses to a halt, conversing quietly a moment as they watched the driver struggle with the handle. Abruptly, one of them pulled off his hat and swatted his horse on the flank, making it leap forward. His companion copied his action. They thundered toward the car, circling it twice, hats waving. Yee-haw! Get a horse! Amid whistles and jeers, they galloped away, leaving the driver glaring after them while he worked the lever angrily. The horse also watched them. It neighed a short, distressed cry, signaling its dislike of the civilized sounds flowing around it. It missed the open plains and fresh air, free of the smells of people, smoke, and internal combustion engines. The animal was a range horse, a blanket Appaloosa, coat blue roan with a raindrop spotting of color on its white flanks and rump. Will bought the animal from an old trapper who'd lived a while on the Oklahoma reservation of the Nez Perce, the tribe credited with originating the breed. He had been on his way to the Dakotas and needed the money. The minute he saw the animal, Will knew it was the one he wanted for Shadow, his son, as a welcome home gift. He hoped the placidity of his own horse would quiet the Appaloosa. It appeared to be temperamental. That was another reason the trapper was willing to part with it. Will imagined it was probably a one-man horse and hadn't met its master yet. That was a challenge Shadow would accept with pleasure. Making certain the reins were tied so the animal couldn't pull free and make good its escape, he left both horses and went around the building, trying not to favor his bad leg. Jehoshaphat! The long ride to town aggravated it, and sudden needle-like stabs radiated from his thigh downward. Will paused at the edge of the steps leading to the depot platform, waiting for the pain to subside. He dug into his vest pocket and extracted a large gold watch. Opening the case, he held it at arm's length as he peered at the face before looking down the tracks. Plastid eyesight isn't getting any better. If he wasn't careful, he'd be wearing spectacles pretty soon. Once that happened, it was only a hop, skip, and a stumble to rheumatism and rocking chairs, then hot milk before he went to bed at night. Confound it. Once a man started getting a little age on him, it was downhill all the way. Well, he wasn't quite ready to lie down and die, although at fifty-one he sometimes did feel a mite stiff after riding all day. Maybe once in a while he'd like to stay in bed a little longer when the sun came up, and often his bones did ache before a rainstorm. Still, he supposed a man with a grown son, a college-educated son who was now on his way back home, a son he hadn't seen in nearly six years since he sent the boy back east to school. Well, a man like that ought to ease up a little, let the younger generation do some of the work. Thoughtfully, he studied the watch. Its gold case was scratched and worn, age incised like wrinkles into the soft metal. Just like me. It had been his father's watch, 
presented to Heinrich Emil Johann von Brandt by the Kaiser during a long-ago war. It was one of the few things Will owned to remind him of another life in another country, a life which now seemed like nothing more than a dream. A sad but pleasant and very innocent dream. The wind blew up the tracks, ruffling his hair. At least he still had all of it, though there was now some white in its fairness. He touched a hand to his collar. Need a trimming, though. He had two bits. Maybe after he met the train. The hand strayed to the bristle on his chin. Maybe a store-bought and shave, too. There was a step behind him and a jingle of spurs. Will turned. Morning, Will! Sheriff Andrew Jorgensen still looked too young and fresh-faced to be a lawman. Or at least Will thought so. Waiting for the 1245? Yeah. Even now, when he was worried or excited, he slid into German, the language of the world he left behind. Heard Shadow's gonna be on it. Guess you're looking forward to seeing the kid. You better believe I am, Will declared. If anyone ever doubted his love for his son, they were assured of it in that moment. Funny how things turned out, ain't it, Will? Andy sighed, looking down the track. Shadow being such a fine boy and all. He turned back to face his friend. You know, in spite of everything that happened, I can't help but wish Johnny and Summer could see him now. Yeah, Will agreed, adding softly, After all this time, I still miss that worthless half-breed. That was always the way he referred to Johnny Moon, that worthless half-breed. Ever since the day Johnny died, since the day he and Will faced off in the Slash Sea's front yard, Will forced his mind away from that. Instead, he thought about Shadow and how the boy would react to the Appaloosa and the changes made at the ranch. Branch isn't the only place different. Lots of changes throughout the whole country now. There was talk they were thinking of stringing lines for that newfangled electricity so people in the boonies could have homes lighted with something other than kerosene lanterns. The ranchers even formed a company, the Cattlemen's Rural Electric Cooperative. Always ready to try something new, Will already signed up. Now he waited to see if and when it would happen. Of course, Shadow would probably already be accustomed to stuff like that, having lived back east for six years. Will heard they even had running water and indoor plumbing in some of the richer homes. Maybe Shadow would consider Wolf Creek a totally primitive place. Perhaps now he wouldn't like it here. Might even look down on his old paw and all the people he'd known when he was a little bare-butted, copper-skinned tad. Maybe. Shut up, Will. He's your son, and he loves this place as much as you do, no matter how long he's been away. Why else would he have written all those letters while he was gone? Why would he be coming back? Why, indeed. Pull of the blood, maybe? A return to the place where it all began. Where his mother died. Where his father... The town changed considerably since Shadow went away, and was hardly like the little whistle-stop Will knew when he was young. God, it seemed like a million years had passed since he first set foot in this place. Will fished a slightly bent, hand-rolled cigarette out of his vest pocket, twisted the end, and lit it with a wooden lucifer struck against the depot step. Inhaling deeply, he allowed his mind to wander back to a spring day in 1880. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Three Walk the Shadow Trail. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.